We'll bow for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you humbled at your presence, Lord. You are so gracious to us. Uh, We do not deserve that the grace you have given us. But we know that you are always there for us, Lord. You have never forsaken us and you will never leave our side. And that is because of the cross, Lord. It's because of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for his spilled blood on Calvary. And we ask that the Holy Spirit... Uh, Come upon us today and bind us together closer as a Christian family to hear the gospel, to hear your word, your only word. And we thank you and we praise you for everything you do for us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. It's nice to be bringing the message to you today, to everyone out there. Even though we are not physically together today, we can be thankful for the technology to be able to bring God's word to anyone worldwide. We have been blessed that as a church family, we have had the ability with all the social distancing and personal protective rules and issues, so the masks, to be able to gather in our local park in the village of West Lorne to hear his message. Today, however, we have decided to pre-record this message, and this will bring it to everyone in a safe environment. God truly does care for us. We are so fortunate that we have this ability to do this online, to bring the gospel, to spread the good news, the only news of Jesus Christ. This coronavirus has been, as we all know, a source of anxiety for everyone. It generates a lot of questions. It also has generated fear and anxiety. It can make one question the uncertainty of our future health. It can hinder our ability to gather together physically on a regular basis, which can make for loneliness. It can also make us lose sight of hope for a prosperous future. These concerns are real and they are valid. But the coronavirus does not like to be isolated, just like us. And look what we have been able to do, what we've been able to achieve over the past several months by being able to, on occasion, weather permitting, get together as a church family in our local park to hear the word of Jesus Christ, his gospel. We can also worship together from our own homes because of the technology that is available to us. It is important to remember, my friends, we are never truly alone because of the cross, because of Christ. I would invite you to turn to your Bible, and we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. I will be reading out of the ESV, but feel free to use whatever version you have with you today. Matthew 6, 25, 34. This is God's word. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body, what will you put on it? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather into barns, and yet 
your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Praise be to God for his word. <clears throat> I sometimes refer to this type of scripture as the red letters. Now, depending on which Bible translation you read, it may contain letters that are the actual color red. This is done to show that these are the actual words of Jesus Christ as he was speaking. In this instance, Jesus was speaking on the mountain. This was referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Christ was addressing crowds of people as well as his own disciples. This was one of the first discourses or sermons following his triumph over Satan's temptations and the subsequent choosing of the 12 apostles. Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34 are in fact red letters. We can see that there is a lot going on in these verses. Let us look at these verses and we will see that there are words of wisdom from the greatest teacher who ever walked the face of this earth. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even when we look at the title of chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, it is what Christ commands. Do not be anxious. It becomes clear that if we make correct choices, there is really no reason to be anxious. This is supported in the preceding verses of Matthew 6. When we look at verses 19 to 24, in which Christ states, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. <clears throat> the title itself is the command 
of the sermon that Christ was about to speak. In fact, it almost sums up the entire discourse. But as we know, there needs to be an explanation. And this is what Jesus does. So, let's take a closer look at verses 26 and then 28 to 30. When we look at these verses, it states, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value of more value than they? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like, any of, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So these three verses show multiple things. We're going to look at three different major points here. So our first point, God cares for his children. He uses a comparison of how birds are fed at the Father's will. And it shows that we are of greater value, as Christ states in verse 26. We see that God will make his actions known. And sometimes he makes these actions known to us through a question or sometimes a challenge. Job endured more loss and suffering than what we can possibly fathom. And when he thought that all was lost and that he wanted to die, what happens? God intervenes. And we see that God cares for his children. This is a very clear example. And if we look to the book of Job and we look at Job 38 verse 41, where the Lord says to Job, who provides for the ravens its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Another verse that helps justify God's caring for his children is Psalm 147, verse 9. And this states, He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. We can also look in the New Testament and see in Matthew 10, verse 11, where Jesus actually states in red letters again, caring for his children, fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God does provide for all. Are we his children not more valuable than the birds of the air? Absolutely. Yes, we are. We know that. God has instilled us, instilled that to us. God always provides. He also compares our anxiety. I want to jump into verse 28. He compares our anxiety of being clothed. He uses simplicity of flowers in the field as the fact that he allows them to grow. They do not seek shelter, for God provides this. They are not anxious over anything as they depend on God for their life, and God does sustain them. Jesus uses Solomon, the son of David, in verse 29. Solomon's kingdom, just to 
give you a little background on this. Solomon's kingdom was, was famous worldwide. And Jesus stated that even Solomon was at the height, when he was at the height of his reign, that he was of no comparison to the grass of the field because God provided for Solomon. And Solomon was truly blessed and he had wisdom beyond belief. Why? Because God bestowed this upon him. He cares for his children. Imagine Jesus using a comparison of simple flowers that outweighs the might of the lineage of David with knowledge and David's kingdom and Solomon's kingdom, knowledge surpassed everything. Jesus continues in verse 30 to ask a question and then gives the answer that we are important and God does care for us. There's so much justification for this. Jesus notes that in verse 30, and I quote, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So why does Jesus question faith? Jesus asks about faith often and speaks about faith often. I'm going to give you two or three examples here of where Jesus questions faith. And it ties together what he's trying, the message he's trying to deliver here. We can see justification in Matthew 8, verse 26, when he calms the storm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Another example in regards to faith, and we should be faithful as his children, we see Matthew chapter 14, verse 31 where he tells Peter essentially to to walk on the water with him, to come to him. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him because Peter had he lost his faith and trust and went into the water, into the raging sea. And he said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? A third example of how faith builds into being God's children is that we see, again, the book of Matthew, Matthew 17, chapter 17, verse 20. When people approached Jesus, uh, Jesus was approached rather by a man who asked him to heal his son. And what happens? Jesus rebukes a demon from him. He exercises the demon out of him. He commands him to get out. He says, leave. And his response to the crowd and his apostles, they were standing there in awe. And he said to them, because of your faith, of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The birds in the grass don't have faith, and they are supplied for. So how much more important are we? Now, I want to go back to verse 27. We skipped ahead, and we're going to jump back a little bit here. And at verse 27, Jesus asks, again, the red letters, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Can being anxious add time to our lives? It cannot. So the second point we're going to look at here is that anxiety cannot do anything. Anxiety should have no hold over our lives. It cannot and will not allow us to live longer we see a stark parallel 
in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Where, as Jesus says, or whereas Luke says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was just a boy, and he was in the temple at the Feast of Passover. Jesus was only about 12 years old, and he was teaching in the temple. Teaching in the temple. And there was no anxiety on his part. Anxiety did not add a minute to his life. We can also see about anxiety and how it, ha- it, it there's no value to it when we look at uh, 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 26, which states, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. A little bit of background about Samuel. So Samuel was one of Eli's sons. And he was true and just compared to all of his brothers, whom Eli rebuked and God rejected. Samuel obeyed God, and he lived for God and proclaimed God's words from a very, very young age. And again, we can see in comparison, when we look at, we compare the two, when we parallel Christ and Samuel, as boys, and we look at Christ as a boy, there was no anxiety. And God controls one's life as well as how long it will be. We can look at verses 33 and 34 in Matthew 6. That states, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We can see in these two verses that there is a command that Jesus was trying to get across. Which brings us to our third point. Seek God first. Jesus makes it very clear that anxiety can be easily beaten by seeking God first for all of our troubles. There is a promise that he will provide. Paul states this in the first book of Timothy, chapter 4, verse 8, which states, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. He also promises that being anxious serves no purpose, as the day will be anxious enough for itself. We look to the book of James, And in James 4, verses 13 to 14, reiterates that, Come now, you you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that disappears, or correction, that appears for a little time, and then vanishes. Verse 14 is very important because it speaks to the fact that we know nothing about tomorrow or the questions about what is life. We, we, we really do. We are here for a little while and then we vanish. Again, God is in control over all anxiety. So why is Matthew 6 Verses 25 to 34, important to me, important to you, important to all of us. Because it shows 
that as members of the family of God, we are to put our trust in him. The Bible is very clear that God cares for us. He loves us. We are his children. Jesus told us that anxiety has no hold over our lives as God controls when our final breath will take place. And Jesus does instruct us as his children and we need to seek him and obey him continually. We'll bow for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings you have given us. We know that we need to put our faith in you. We need to come to you first. And we know that because of the cross, we have no anxiety because Jesus took it all on that tree that day. All the sins of the past, the present, and the future. We did not deserve it, but you gave it to us freely, Lord. Very simple, follow your commands, come to Christ, proclaim the word. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together today as a church family to hear the gospel and your word, the only word. And we ask you to bless our congregation and may we be a blessing to each other. In Christ's name we pray, amen.